God's love sure is wonderful, isn't it? Uh, wow. He's been so good to us. And uh, I've just this week been so excited and rejoicing that I'm saved and on my way to heaven and all that God has done for us. Uh, the more I think on it, the more excited I get uh, at what He's done for me. Because the truth is, there wasn't anything I could do and there wasn't anything you could do to earn our way to heaven but God. Amen. He, uh, he certainly did a great work and uh, loved us. Uh, the Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. He loved us when we didn't love Him. And He decided to die on the cross and pay our debt that we could not pay. And He did that before we loved Him, before we knew Him. And uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, but God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I'll tell you, that's a, that is a wonderful, wonderful truth. And if you're here this morning, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, we can rejoice in that. Doesn't it make life so much better? I mean, we go through our days, and yeah, there's problems. We have problems like anybody else, you know. Uh, just becoming a Christian doesn't make your life perfect. But there's a great joy that God gives to us, whether we're on the mountaintop of joy or whether we're in the valley of despair. There's a joy and a peace that, that just can't be explained, really. It just can't be explained, and other than God did it. And uh, I enjoy being able to go to sleep at night. I remember as a kid, years ago, uh, going to sleep and having nightmares about when I died or the rapture happening and where I would go, what would happen to me, and wondering about that as a young person. I mean, it weighed heavy on my heart. And I remember those dreams. I remember those days of uncertainty and not knowing. And, uh, boy, when I read in Scripture that I could know that I have eternal life, when I read in Scripture that I could trust Jesus as my Savior and He would do the work for me, boy, that was such a relief. I'm going to tell you, wasn't that a relief to you when you found that out? And, uh, boy, then, then to put our trust in Him... And not only does He give, forgive us our sin and give us a home in heaven for all of eternity, but the thing is He makes this life so much better, doesn't He? He gives us peace that passes all understanding. He gives us joy in the valley. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God has given us the opportunity uh, to be reunited with Him, to be joined back with Him uh, through the... Uh, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary and putting our faith and trust in what He did for us. And, uh, boy, what a joy. It's good to be here today. Beautiful weather outside. I'll tell you, after yesterday, uh, really nice to wake up this morning and see some beautiful weather. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. And uh, was thinking how nice it would be to go flying on a day like this. Uh, it's just beautiful out there. But uh, good to see everybody here today. Let's bow our heads and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service this morning. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for the privilege you give to us to be here. And Lord, the joy that you have given in our hearts. Lord, truly, daily, you give us great joy, great peace. And Lord, there, are, there certainly are problems, just like any other person in this world. We certainly go through trials and, and things that happen to us. But oh, what joy it is to know that you are there to carry us through it, to give us strength. The grace that you have shown to us, the mercy that you've given to us in saving our souls by us putting our faith and our trust in you. Lord, we're so thankful for that. We pray that you'll bless the service this morning and speak to hearts. May you encourage us as Christians to uh, love you more. And Lord, the, the truth is, the more that we learn about you, the more that we understand your uh, amazing love that You've given to us. Lord, how can we do anything other than love You back? And so, Lord, may our love for You grow. Uh, may our desire to live in a way that pleases You and uh, brings glory to You and points men to You. May, may that be the, the paramount thing in our lives. 
And Lord, if there's someone here today that needs to trust you as their Savior, maybe they don't know for sure if they were to die, they'd go to heaven. Lord, maybe today you could speak to their heart and help them to see that and to make that decision, the greatest decision they'll ever make. And so, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to do His work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Just a couple of weeks from today, from this Friday, two weeks I believe it is from this Friday, is our men's advance. And so I want to remind you of that, to mark that on your calendar. And uh, it'll be on a Friday and a Saturday. We'll meet at Friday, I think about 5 o'clock, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there, have a good dinner and a manly dinner. I mean, we're planning on some really good stuff. And uh, Miss Mandy's heading all that up. I don't know what she all has planned for it, but manly stuff, right, Miss Mandy? We're going to have manly meals. And uh, it's always a good time of fellowship. We have a great time. Uh, last year, I think we had about 20 folks or so come to it, uh, 15 or 20 fellas here. And uh, just a time to get together. And Brother Tully's going to, Andy Tully's going to come and uh, have a few sessions with us to teach us some things from God's Word about uh, Christian leadership and manhood and just some things that will be a blessing and help to us and encouragement to us. So I want to encourage you to come. That will be on Friday uh, and Saturday, uh, two weeks from this coming Friday. And, um, and so be making your plans for that, if you will, fellas, and um, looking forward to a great time together. I think on Saturday, if the weather holds out, we're going to try to do uh, some kind of manly activity, like maybe shooting some guns or something, or, I don't know, boxing, you know, mixed martial arts. I don't know, something like that. Uh, but we're going to have a good time uh, and uh, have, a, have a time of fellowship together and looking forward to it. It's always a real blessing. Pray that God will bless throughout the day today. Uh, God sure has been good to us, and uh, we thank Him for that. Brother Keith is going to come lead us in some more songs. 477. I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me, there my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary, by God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the Lord's spurned, till my guilty soul and pouring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. To Jesus everything Now I gladly own Him as my King Now my rapture soul can only sing Of Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me Salvation's plan. Oh, the grace they brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found Welcome each other to the service. Wave at everybody. Your arms get tired. Join with me on 488. My Redeemer.
if you will, turn to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. When God made man and put him in the Garden of Eden to bless it, to keep it, to tend it and keep it, He had told Adam, He said, You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but there's one tree in the midst of the garden. I don't want you to eat of it. Uh, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, he said, The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And we know the story, if you take time to read through Genesis, how that um, Satan tempted Eve and caused her to, um, to take of the fruit. She was deceived by him, uh, but did take of the fruit. Adam took willingly and also ate. He was there with her. And, uh, and so, death came on all men, the Bible says. Uh, I, I personally believe that God created Adam and Eve to live uh, before sin, but to live eternally. Uh, when they sinned, the death process began. Our bodies now age, don't they? I'm 50 years old. I'll be 51 here in just a few weeks. And I, I don't do the things I used to do. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a number of years. I used to tell young people when I was in my late 30s and early 40s, even to my mid-40s, I used to say, I can do everything I did when I was 20. I'm just a little slower at it. And as I got to be in my upper 40s, I used to say to them, I can do everything I did in my 20s. It just hurts more. 
And then I turned uh, 50 and I just quit lying to them. I can't do what I used to do when I was 20. The truth is the death process takes place, doesn't it? And we begin to die. And uh, the truth is that when man sinned in the garden, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, that's when death came into this world. And so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 3 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the truth is, we're all sinners, aren't we? Your pastor's a sinner. All of us are sinners. I don't care how, how spiritual somebody lives or how good a life they live, all of us are sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We're born into a sinful world. We're born into a sinful life. And death is passed upon all men. And I'm so thankful that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 5 that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, that's a key part of this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That death that we don't long for, and certainly we die a physical death, but the spiritual death would have been far, far greater. And the fact that God has given us the opportunity to have eternal life. In John chapter number 3, verse number 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that God has given eternal life. And uh, what a joy it is to be saved. As we look in Ephesians chapter number 1, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for God's grace today? Grace, not getting what we deserve. A lot of times people say, how you doing? And I usually say, a lot better than I deserve. A lot better than I deserve. What I mean by that is the truth is I'm a sinner and deserve to die and go to hell for my sin. That's, that's what I deserve. That's just the truth of the matter. I'm thankful I don't get what I deserve. I'm thankful God has been gracious to me. The Bible says in verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by, Christ, by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, According to the riches of His grace, this is who we get. This is who we get forgiveness of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we get redeemed. We get bought back. We were we were sold to sin, and our lives were wrapped up in sin, and we had no hope. And Jesus came, and the Bible says that we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, and according to the riches of His grace. In verse number 8, he says, "...wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated." according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession." unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance to the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in it, all in all. Father, we pray that You would bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. Encourage us through Your Word. Strengthen our faith. Lord, we certainly love You this morning. We're so thankful for what You've done for us. May we in turn do all that we can to tell others that need to hear about you. Or there are so many people, so many people that are hurting. They're empty. There's an emptiness inside of them. They don't know where to turn. They know something is missing in life, but they just don't know what. And Lord, the answer is right here. And we have that answer. We've tasted of it. We've known it. Lord, how satisfying it has been. May we then in turn take what we have, the truth and the knowledge of Your salvation, this wonderful gospel message. And may we share it with others so that they may see and can believe and put their faith and their trust in You. Lord, we ask that You would bless all that we say and do here today. In Jesus' name, Amen. In verse number 15 of chapter number 1, Paul establishes uh, the power and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we get down to verse number 18, he makes a very unique uh, statement in this verse. He says that, uh, and and let's back up to verse number 17. uh, Let's back up to verse 16, I'm sorry. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul says, okay, I'm praying for you, and here's what I'm praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul said, I'm praying that God will reveal Himself to you, that your knowledge and your understanding, your wisdom of Him will be made very clear. Notice he goes on to say in verse 18, The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. He goes on to give other things that he's asking for our eyes to be opened. But I want us to think for a moment here. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened, in verse number, chapter number 2 and verse number 1, notice he says this, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, the word quickened here is an old English word, and it means literally to be made alive, to, uh, to uh, cause them to, uh, the term that Jesus used when he was speaking uh, in, in his earthly ministry was to be born again. To be made alive again. The thing that died in Adam when he sinned, God says, I'm going to make that alive again. I'm going to reinvigorate that. I'm going to make it alive. There's going to be something that's been missing in your life, and I'm going to cause it to come back into existence. Uh, We know that as the Spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and is there doing something inside of us that are trusting Christ as our Savior. And so the interesting thing is in verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul says, This is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened of these things. You know, the truth is that Satan is doing everything that he can to blind the eyes of people so that they do not see the love that God has for them. They do not see the mercy that God is giving them. They do not see the grace that God longs to give and put in their life. They do not see the truth of the gospel. They don't understand how to be saved. And the truth is, Satan's going around putting blinders on a lot of people's eyes. And Paul said, I pray that God will enlighten your understanding. He'll open your spiritual eyes. That He'll help you to understand some things. That you'll understand, notice he says in verse 19, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us, to us word, who believe? according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. He said, look, this same power that raised up the Lord Jesus from the dead 
is the same thing I want you to understand will cause you to be made alive when you put your faith and trust in Him. Far above all principality and power. So it doesn't matter what Satan does here. And might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and given Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And then he goes on into chapter number 2. Now understand, this is a letter that Paul has written. When Paul writes this, he doesn't write chapter 2 in there. Okay, That was given later to help us find things in the letter and give a little more organized structure to it. But this was a letter that he wrote to a church in Ephesus. So the thought continues. The same Jesus who has been raised from the dead by the power of God and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he, he's explaining here in chapter number 2. This is the thing he wants us to understand. This is the enlightening of the eyes that he's praying for. He says, I want you to understand this. He says, the God that raised Jesus from the dead, and he did all of these things through Jesus, he gets to this part of the, the verse, he says, and you hath he quickened. The idea of to be made alive. Who were, in the past, dead in trespass and sins. Well, we were all there, weren't we? Brother Kenny was sharing in Sunday school. I told uh, Miss Kathy before church, I said their testimony in Sunday school today changed my message this morning. And I got to thinking on this and just was so excited about it. But the Bible says, And you at the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Well, we were all there, weren't we? We, we, all were, we all were sinners. We, by the way, we still are. We're just saved by the grace of God now. But you remember the life we lived before we got saved? We, didn't, we had our understanding was darkened. The blinders were on. We didn't understand spiritual things. We read the Bible, and it, and it, it was like struggling to understand what is it trying to tell me. We couldn't, we couldn't grasp it. We couldn't understand it. Paul said, I'm praying that God will enlighten you, that He'll help your eyes to be open so you can see these things. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. The word conversation means our lifestyle. We all used to live this way, didn't we? We all were dead in our trespasses and sins. John uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in that boat. When I tell somebody the gospel and the great news that God wants to save them, I don't say, hey, you're a sinner. I say, we're a sinner. We all have sinned. I'm no better than anybody else. You're no better than anybody else. We've all been in this boat. We all have sinned. And he goes on to say this, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. That was just how we were born. You know what a man has to do in order to not be saved? You know what he has to do? Nothing. He's born that way. You know what a man has to do to not go to heaven and to go to hell instead? Nothing. We're born that way. Christ didn't come to send us to hell. Christ came to redeem us from hell. Christ didn't come to send man to hell. Christ came to save us from hell. He came to make a way. And that's why I, I get so amazed at how bad the world seems to hate God. I mean, the only thing He was ever guilty of is loving us too much. The only thing that they could ever look at Him and say, boy, there's something bad about this, is that He wanted to show them mercy how in the world can the world despise God so greatly? Their eyes are shut. They're darkened. They can't understand it. And Paul says, I'm praying that your eyes will be open to this, that you'll see this. Christ didn't come into the world to condemn sinners. He came into the world to save that which was lost. He came to give us a way of escape. He came to bring us out of this darkness. And he goes on to say here in verse number 3, that we used to walk in times past according to the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. This is the life we did live. But God, and here it is. I love it. But God, when God stepped in, something changed. But God, who is rich 
in mercy. I'm not talking about a little bit. God doesn't say three strikes, you're out. You ever been there? I, I like to show mercy to people. I do. But I have a limit. Somebody does me wrong the first time, I'll show mercy. The second time, I'll show mercy. Maybe even the third time, I'll show mercy. If I really, really like them a lot, maybe even the fourth or fifth time, but there comes a point where I say, buddy, you stepped across the line. I'm finished with you. The Bible says that God is rich in mercy. Never runs out. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that He is able to save them to the uttermost. Hold your place here for a minute. Turn with me over to Romans. I want you to see something here. Something that I think is one of the greatest truths of Scripture. Romans chapter number 5, if you will. Romans chapter number 5. Verse number 17, For if by one man's offense, that was Adam, death reigned by one, so much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. In other words, if, if death came by man, one man, life comes by one man. That's the Lord Jesus Christ through the abundance of His grace. Look in verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That was Adam. Even so, by the righteousness of one, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Can I tell you something this morning that I think is one of the most amazing things about being saved? It's free. I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to live a certain way. I don't have to meet a certain goal. It is free. God just gives it to us. Look in verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that's Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, and by the way, it's not our righteousness either. It's His. He gives it to us. Verse number 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, notice this, where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. Can I tell you, you cannot sin enough to get away from God's grace. Can't do it. There's never been a man that has turned to Christ and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I want to put my trust in You for my salvation, what You've done on Calvary, that God looked at him and said, I'm sorry, friend, you've sinned too much. There's never been a time I don't care how bad that life was. I don't care how wicked and ungodly it was. Where sin abounded, the Bible says this, grace did much more abound. Boy, I love that phrase. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Again, not our righteousness, but by Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse number, or back to Ephesians chapter number 2 now. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, I am so glad He is rich in mercy. Because the truth is, even though I've trusted Him as my Savior, and I'm glad that He has saved me, He is now the surety, He's the guarantor of my salvation, the book of Hebrews tells me. I'm thankful that every morning His mercies are new to me. Because the truth of the matter is, I still fail him, don't I? The best of us do. I've heard people say, I was talking to a good friend of mine, good, very good friend of mine here uh, a couple of years ago. I was working with him in a, in a, a, a company that we were working together in. And uh, we got talking one day about church. He said, you know why I don't go to church? I'd invited him, I don't know, a lot of times. He said, you know why I don't go to church? I said, why is that? He said, because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. <laughs> I just chuckled at that. And I said, well, isn't that where you want them? I mean, we come to church not because we are something. We come to church because we're not something. And we want to become something better. This is the hospital. This is where we get help. This is where we get bandaged up. This is where the wounds get healed. We come and let God do something to us. We, we know we're not there. That's why we come here. We want to hear the Word of God preached. We want to hear what the Bible has for us. We want to hear what God's Holy Spirit is going to do. That's why we come to church. We don't come because we already are something. If we were that, we might as well stay home because we're already something. 
I'm just somebody who's trying to do the very best I can and know that I fail all the time. And so I need to come someplace where God can get a hold of my heart and do something. He's the only one that can transform me on the inside. I can't do it. But God, who is rich in mercy, notice this. You say, boy, I just don't understand why God would do that. For His great love, wherewith He loved us. I'm going to tell you something. I don't understand God's love. I don't. There's people that I love very dearly in this world. I, I really believe, and I know, well, I don't believe this. I know that for my children, I would give my life for them. That's how much I love them. There are a few people, some of my immediate family members. Notice I said some, not all. They, I'll leave it up to them to figure out who I'm talking about there. Some of my own immediate family members, I would give my life for them. That's how much I love them. And there's a lot of people in this church that I love, but I'll be real frank with you. I don't know very many that I'd be willing to give my life for. And then to think that there are some people out there that I don't like. There's some people out there that have treated me wrong. They've treated me bad. I'm certain I would not be willing to die for them. Do you know that every single one of us had treated God wrong? Every one of us were sinful? When Paul tells the church at Ephesus, I want your eyes to be open. I want you to understand this. This is what he's talking about. He says, I want you guys to understand something that you're not able to see. And that is that God, who has great love for us, Who's us? Us sinners. Those that have done Him wrong. Those that have sinned against Him. The great love that God has, if you ever thought about this, the great love that God has has always been pointed towards the sinners. Those that have done Him wrong. He says this, But God who is rich in mercy, verse number 4, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace, His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved. Notice this, two words. Through faith. It does not say, for by grace are you saved through works. It does not say, for by grace are you saved through clean living. It doesn't say, for by grace are you saved through church membership. It certainly does not say, for by grace are you saved through baptism. It says, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith. We have a hard time grasping what faith is oftentimes, don't we? This is how I get the grace of God. This is how I get to be made alive again. This is how I go from being lost and on my way to hell, unable to make it to heaven. This is how I go from that to having my sins forgiven and a guarantee of my home in heaven. By faith. Martin Luther, years ago, the beginning of the Great Reformation, came across a verse in Romans as he was reading. Martin Luther was part of the Roman Catholic Church. He's reading through his Bible. He came to the book of Romans. He came across a verse The just shall live by faith. Not what he had been taught. He mulled it over and agonized over it for months and months. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And he kept thinking and thinking and thinking, and finally it came to him. It's not by my works, it's not by my membership, it's not by my baptism, it's by my faith. This book was given to me by God. 
He made sure that we had a way to know how to get saved. He made sure that we had a way of knowing how to get to heaven when we die. Why? Because He loves us. And He says, by faith. By faith. Verse number 5, Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Why in the world man has a view of some angry, mad God that just sits in heaven in a grumpy mood all day? Does God practice justice? Absolutely He does. Are there things that do anger God? Absolutely there are. But God is not some vengeful God sitting up in heaven with a bad attitude looking at man all the time. He looks down at man and with a broken heart, a heart that loves them with all of his heart. He says, I want to make a way for them by faith. By faith. A number of years ago, I was down in Florida. It's where I was from originally and lived across the street from my mom and my dad. And... uh, my mom had a pool in her backyard, and my kids, my middle daughter Reagan, and my young, my son Jonathan, I'd say little, he's about as big as I am anymore. They were little back then, and I remember Jonathan was just kind of toddling around, and I, he might have been four years old or so, something like that, maybe five. And I took them both swimming, well, I took Reagan out swimming, and Jonathan came out on the porch with us. And I was inside the pool, and Reagan was trying to learn how to step off the last step into the pool. She had had her floaties on and different things. She wanted to learn how to swim. And so I'm sitting there one night, and I got her down to the very last step, and she's about this high. And I knew if she would just step down and trust me that she could put her tiptoes down on the bottom and keep her chin above the water, and she could still breathe. And I wanted her to get that confidence. And so I'm, I'm working with her, and I'm... Stepping back a little bit, and I said, okay, Ray, just all you got to do is jump. I promise you, I will catch you. I will not drop you. And by the way, I wouldn't have dropped her. I said, Ray, all you got to do is jump, and I'll catch you. And she, you know how you, know how you were when you were little? Uh, some of us are still that way, aren't we? We get to the top of a big building and dizzying heights, and we want to back off from the edge a little bit in case we stumble. We don't want to go over the edge. But you know how it is. You get, you get up the courage and you lean forward and you're almost going and then you catch yourself. Oh, I don't want to do that. And you're anxious and back and forth and back and forth. And that's the way she was that night. And so I kept urging her, Ray, if you'll just jump, I'll catch you. If you'll, I'm right here. Look, I'm four inches away from you. If you'll just jump, I'll catch you. And she's right on the edge and she's standing there and she's, should I, should I not? What if Dad messes and what if he drops me? And all of a sudden... I heard a splash behind me. And I turn around, and here's my son Jonathan at the bottom of the pool looking up at me, and his eyes are about this big. About that time, Reagan leaned out and jumped, and I caught her. And then I dropped her because I had to go rescue my son. And when I went to go get Jonathan, I got him up, and I turn around, and Reagan's under the water, and her eyes are up this. (laughs) And I'm running back and forth trying to keep both kids above the water. And I share that story because I want to illustrate a point. And please don't miss the point because of the illustration. Reagan stood there. Should I go? Should I not? Is Dad going to catch me? Jonathan? Jonathan heard Dad say, jump, and I'll catch you. And guess what he did? Splash. (laughs) Jonathan... Faith had no question. Dad said it. It's going to happen. I'm going to trust him. And he launched. Can I tell you this? The flaw in my illustration is I'm human. I'm fallible. 
and I failed my kids. But God isn't. God is not wrong and He's not fallible. And not one time has He ever failed us. If we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He says, I will save you. I will forgive you of your sin. I will redeem you. And He's never failed one time. There's never been somebody who's come to Christ when he wasn't looking. And he turned around and realized, ooh, I missed that one. No, no. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in all, in all the earth. You can't get away from the sight of God. You know the Bible tells us this. The Bible says that not even a sparrow can fall to the ground, but God sees it. And if God is that concerned about the sparrow and God clothes the lilies of the field, how much more care do you think He has for you and I? I've heard a lot of people say, well, I hope I go to heaven. I'm trying to do my best. I'm not going to make it if that's what you're trying. Well, I've tried to live a good life, Greg. I'll tell you, I've been really struggling with it. I've been trying. I, I hope when I get there that it's enough. I'll tell you right now, it's not. And I'm not telling you what my opinion is. I'm telling you what the Bible tells us. It's not enough. Well, I'll tell you what. If I go get baptized, that'll do it. No, no. The Bible tells us this by one thing. Verse number 4. He says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherein He loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. And Paul said this to the Ephesians. When I pray for you, he said, I pray that your eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. I pray that you will be able to see these things and understand them. It's that simple. It's that easy. It's a free gift. It's something that God, who loves us and does not want us to go to hell, says, I've made a way and I give it to you freely. Will you just trust me? In essence, what he's saying spiritually is, If you jump, I'll catch you. If you'll just trust me for your eternal security in heaven, I'll make sure it happens. Just trust me, not yourself. Don't trust what you can do. Trust what I've already done. It's that simple. And with it being that simple, it's amazing to me how many people come this close and then turn away and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. What a travesty. Can you imagine one day in eternity someone standing before God and saying, I almost did. I almost did. I heard the Gospel. I understood the Gospel. But I did not do it. I did not put my faith. Could you imagine the heartache? 
to be that close and not be willing to put our faith in Him. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You simply have to put your faith and trust in Him. We give an invitation in our church. We have people that are, if they'd like to come and pray, they can pray at the altar, they can pray in their chairs, you can pray in your seat. But can I tell you this? You don't have to come to an altar to get saved. You don't have to get baptized in a baptistry to get saved. I'll be honest with you. As much as I love you coming and being here, and as much as it's just a joy to be around folks, you don't have to go to Keith Heights Baptist Church to be saved. You don't. You simply have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told folks in His earthly ministry, He said, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to earn it. You're not going to. Just come to Him and say, Lord, I understand that. I can't. My, my eyes have been opened. My understanding is there. I see it in Scripture. I can't do it. But I know that You can. And so I'm going to trust You to save me, to redeem me from my sin, to give me some of that rich grace that You have, to give me that riches of mercy that You have. I tell you, it's that simple, folks. It is. Why in the world would God ever make it hard for us? Oh, that we would learn to trust Him today. If you're here today and you're saved, we ought to rejoice in that. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you, please, 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 don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. We're not guaranteed another moment in this life or just not. Years ago, I remember the very first the very first school shooting that I ever heard of was Columbine High School. There may have been some before that. That's the one that made national news, and I remembered seeing that as a younger man. There's a young girl named Cassie Bernal that was one of the kids that was killed that day, and one of the Several of the kids who saw what happened, they were in the library, said that the gunman was going from kid to kid and saying, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And if they said yes, he pulled the trigger and, and shot them. And Cassie Bernal was one of those young ladies. She looked up and he put the gun in her face and said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And she said, yes, I do. Having already seen what happened to those who had done so. She did not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because she had faith in Him. We said, well, what a travesty. What a travesty that she was killed at such a young age. And yes, it was such a travesty from human perspective, but what a joy it was to know that in the next moment she was in the arms of her Savior. Not because of anything she had done, but because she had put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When she woke up that morning and begin to get ready for school. It was like any other morning. I'm sure she was excited. She probably came downstairs if she was a typical teenager, probably argued with mom and dad a few moments. Sat down at the breakfast table and had breakfast. It was just a day like any other day. Ate her lunch and or breakfast and got ready to go to school, perhaps waited on a bus, maybe sat with her friends, maybe talking about what they were going to be doing later on. Maybe she was involved in sports. She had her whole life, her whole day of planned ahead of her, dreams and hopes. Not knowing that morning when she woke up was going to be her last day on earth. She said, Brother Greg, what a horrible thing to say, but the truth is I use it to help us understand this. We woke up this morning too, didn't we? And we got dressed thinking it's just another day. Many of us ate breakfast. Some of us began to look outside. Rejoice in the creation that God's done. Expectations of coming to church. What's going to happen? 
Maybe things that we're going to do after church. Maybe planning what we're going to do with our week. Not knowing and understanding that it could be our last day. I'm not trying to scare you into being saved. What I'm saying is we do not have a guarantee of another day. And if we're here and we've never trusted Christ as our Savior, my friend, there is no better time than now to do it. No better time. No better time. Could you imagine how, tra- how tragic it would be to say, well, I think on this Friday, on this Friday, I think I'll trust Christ as my Savior. That's when I'm planning to do it. And something happened between now and then. Today's the day of salvation. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Can I encourage you in that? It's something simple. You don't have to. You don't have to get up in front of people. You don't have to do any. All you simply got to pray and say, "Lord, I'm putting my faith and trust in you." Let Him know that, and He'll do it. I'm thankful that God never one time fails. Not once. God never has His back to us and misses when we jump into the pool. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall, I like that word, shall be saved. Not might, not maybe, not perhaps, but shall. Let's stand together, shall we? With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it. And use it. Lord, as Christians, may we leave here rejoicing. May our faith be strengthened in what you've shown us today. Lord, we rejoice. We do today. Our hearts are so excited that you have done all of this just for us so that we would not have to go to this place called hell. This emptiness, this hollowness that has been missing in our life has been made alive again. And Lord, the joy, the excitement, the enlightening of our eyes of understanding and knowing and seeing things that we never saw before. Lord, I pray that You would bless everyone in this room that has trusted You as their Savior. And if there's someone here today that has not, Lord, my prayer is that Your Holy Spirit will help prick their hearts and and help them to, to understand and to see that they need to get that taken care of. That they need to deal with that today. That they need to put their faith, their hope in You, trusting that You will give them salvation. You'll give them forgiveness of sins. You'll give them eternal life in heaven. And so, Father, our prayer is today that you would save those that are lost, encourage those that are saved, and may we honor and glorify you through it all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll have just the piano and organ play a verse of invitation. We don't do it for any any supernatural reason other than to give people a time to meditate and to pray and to think on the things of the message. If God has spoken to your heart, would you make the decision today that He's placed there? Maybe you need to trust Him as your Savior. Maybe you need to thank Him for what He has done for you. Whatever the matter is, the invitation is open to you. Would you come?
Fathers, we dismiss in prayer. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful joy that you put into our hearts. I pray that you help us as we dismiss here today to leave here thinking and dwelling on the message and the truth from your word. May we meditate upon it and understand it. May our eyes be opened and enlightened. May we fully rejoice in it. And, uh, Lord, we ask that you would have your Holy Spirit continue to work in our hearts as we leave this place. Bless the lunchtime downstairs and the food that you've provided. Bless the time of fellowship. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.